This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome back to Side Peace Show. I was late to getting this recording done. Oh, why you ask? Oh, well, you know what? Let me just tell you why. So I'm trying to get ready and I'm watching both maniacs and Logan runs into the room. Mommy, Vivian is naked. Okay, well, let's go and see what's going on. And sure enough, Vivi is standing in the hallway pointing at her clothes and the diaper that is laying on the floor. So I then quickly go into the other room to try to get a new diaper for her. By the time I get back, they are both in the front room in the bounce house. So let me back up. When COVID hit and we have two kids under three, thinking about what the hell we are going to do stuck inside all day without going more insane than we already are, we bought one of those big blow up bounce houses that you jump in, hence a bounce house. So the front room is officially our bounce house room. Well, both of them, Vivi naked and Logan, are in the bounce house jumping around. And it's cute. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you know, Vivi's naked. They're a little tush hanging out, bouncing around. You know, Logan's pointing at her butt going, stinky tushy, stinky tushy. Well, let's get that stinky tushy out before, you know, it literally becomes stinky. Well, too late. Vivi then stops bouncing and proceeds to pee all over the bounce house. Then, if that's not fun enough, they keep bouncing. So the puddles of pee are splashing all over the bounce house, all over the walls, and they're sliding around in it and rolling around it like it's a freaking slip inside. So I was late to my recording because I'm cleaning up the entire pee-filled bounce house, walls, and my kids that decided to take a bath in it. Good times, good times all around. Now it's time for Side Stealers of the Week. Jersey. Oh, the Jersey husbands once again stealing the show and my heart, kissing each other's ass. No, really. They go golfing, making bets that the loser has to literally kiss the other guy's butt. And Frank, oh my Frank Catania, he lost, has to, on the golf course in front of everybody, as Joey Gorga is pulling down his pants, he has to kiss Joey's big ol' hairy boo tay. And this is why I freaking love the Jersey husbands. Dallas. The husbands also take it this week too. So let's talk about those good looking cowboys. You know, I love me a good man that although they're totally beyond mortified and embarrassed to do something, that they go along with the craziness, even dressing the part with their cowboy boots and their hats 
they're super like super tight jeans though I you know do appreciate it those cowboys though I'd always like to wrangle them up baby Atlanta so this is a tie between Latoya and her mouth coming in hot and Marlo and her outfit so Latoya walks into the reunion swinging like for the fences calling Drew Spongebob and Marlo's outfit so not existent that a sponge couldn't even fit in it. And that wraps up Side Stealers of the Week. But what else is hot and happening in Bravo? Blow Deck Sailing Yacht. The preview we got for the rest of the season. Holy crap, so much going on. And I'm not really sure which is worse. The boat completely crashing into the dock or Jay out getting chlamydia again. Yes, again, like plural, multiple times. Atlanta, the sex dungeon is back, baby. Reunion two, and it is popping. And by popping, I mean all of the boobies are popping. It's like boobs, nip slips, Marlo's butt. Oh my. I wanted to ask you, what do we think? Do you think Drew and LaToya really kiss a little bit? Hmm. All right. Dallas. Brandy was murdered? Yes. Okay. It was for murder mystery. But the only thing bigger than them killing off Brandy was drunken Carrie and Brandy breaking into JR's room. Do they not know that no one destroys JR's room? I do feel bad for Carrie turning to excessive drinking to deal with all of her stress. And I thought it was super cool for her to admit it. But now I feel extra bad sitting here wondering how much longer, like how many minutes to a tea I have until my maniacs go to sleep so I can have my tasty full of alcohol beverage. Can we talk about the housewives mashup? being filmed right now in Turks and Caicos. Holy crap. New York new season, Shaw's new season, teasers for this Southern Charm summer house mashup and a housewives mashup. May, June, the summer is going to explode. Can't freaking wait. Bravo is coming in hot. I freaking am here for every second of it. And that wraps up the hotness happening in Bravo. You guys, thank you again so much for all your love, all your support, for your amazing ratings and reviews, all your messages. They absolutely make my day. You guys loving this podcast makes me so happy. Thank you for telling all of your friends to listen to and subscribing for them to rate and review so we can celebrate all of the entertaining and delicious parts of Side Piece Show together. You can find me at Side Piece Show. That's at S-I-D-E-P-I-E-C-E-S-H-O-W. You guys, thank you again so much for all the love, all the support. You guys, my guest today, I am so excited. She is the OG of Below Deck, the chief stew that kicked it all off. Yes, it's Adrian Gang.
You guys, I'm geeking out because I don't think I even need a crazy long introduction because this lady is the OG of Below Deck, the one and only Chief Stew that we first ever fell in love with. Yes, it's Adrian Gang, you guys. Adrian! Holy moly! It is so awesome to see you. How are you? I'm good. I'm actually down in the Bahamas on charter right now. So still working on a boat, still chefing, which has always been my job. I was a chief stew one time on TV, but in real life, I'm a chef. So I'm on a 112 foot Westport down here right now for about a month and a half. And actually my stewardess on board is Madison from season one of Sailing Yacht. No way. Madison? Yep. She's here. That is incredible. I have so much to dive in with you. You just hit on like 10 things that I want to talk to you about. Real quick though, I want to back up because I was super excited that you were coming on, that I wrote you a little poem. Oh boy. All right, Adrian. This woman set the show ablaze, making below deck a total fan craze. Feisty, fierce, surprising us all, even as a great dancer too. After watching her, she made everyone also want to be a total badass chief stew. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Of course. Okay. But now I was reading that you, we saw you as a chief stew, but you're not even a chief stew. You're a chef. Always have been. That's how I got into the industry. When we were putting together the show at the beginning, initially I was going to be the chef and we were supposed to have a 130 foot boat that we were going to film on. And then they realized that that boat wasn't going to be big enough for the amount of crew that they wanted and the camera crew and everything else. So we ended up with a 160 honor, also Cordelion, which is how we ended up with Lee. And I ended up becoming the chief stew because they wanted a male chef on board. So, I mean, it all kind of worked out the way that it was supposed to. I'm glad it worked out the way that it did because Ben was great. He was super entertaining and I'm so glad that he was there for some semblance of sanity for me for most of the season. So that, that worked out really nicely, but yeah, initially I was going to be the chef and then we decided on chief stew and it was really right up until the last minute of before filming that I decided that I was actually going to do it at all because Rebecca the woman who was the woman who put the whole thing together told me that she didn't know who they were going to cast well she did know but I didn't know who they were going to cast in my position instead and she was like the only way that you can have any control over what's happening now is if you do it yourself so that's why I agreed to do it because I didn't want my entire career for the last eight years on the planet before that to look like a drunken monkey show so Wait a minute. So you, had you ever been a chief stew though before this? Nope. First time. Were you like, what the hell am I doing? I mean, I had never been a chief stew on that size boat and Lee made it abundantly clear that he didn't think I was qualified for that right off the bat. So that was fun. Captain Lee said you're not qualified for this. Yeah. I mean, the very first time I met him was off camera and it was uh, while the boat was still in Fort Lauderdale, I had to come on board and do some interior decorating because they didn't have a budget for that but they sent me like $500 and they said go buy some pillows and blankets and stuff because the entire interior of the boat was so bland that they needed some color and they didn't want to have to buy stuff down in the islands when the boat got down there so they sent me on board and when I got there Lee was sitting in his office 
with his feet up on the desk and a copy of my resume on his desk. And he's like, I don't even know why you're here. You're not qualified for this. I was like, yeah, cool. I know, but we're here anyway. So let's just get it over with. Like it was, it started contentious and didn't really improve much from there, but you know, for what it's worth, the job, I have been a stew slash chef before that. And it's not rocket science. I mean, you're serving food and you're cleaning bathrooms and you're making beds. Like it's, it's, we didn't have much of a budget for like tablescapes. I know that's become a thing in the last handful of seasons, but we had no budget. We didn't even have a budget for good uniforms on my season. So, I mean, it was in its infancy. It's been very interesting to see what it's turned into now. And I still very much enjoy watching it and bitching about it. (laughs) You know, but I was one of the people that helped kind of pitch the show to Bravo and do this sizzle reel and all the rest of that stuff from the beginning. Rebecca was the genius behind the entire thing. She was the producer and she was the one who worked on a yacht in college. And so she was the one that, you know, birthed the idea, but it was an interesting up and down project for four years before we actually got it to air. So. Wait, so you brought it to Rebecca, who's the producer? No, Rebecca worked on a yacht in college and it was her idea all along. And then she ran into a girlfriend of mine when she was on vacation with her husband and said to my girlfriend, like, Hey, I have this idea to do this reality show about yachting. What do you think? And my friend said, I think it's a great idea. I want nothing to do with it. Call my friend Adrian. So from the point where we had that first conversation to the point where my show aired, it was almost exactly four years. So then you and Rebecca got it together and you guys took it to the production company. She took it to a production company that she was working with already, which was 51 Minds on a couple other projects. And then they took it to like the sizzle reel that I filmed with her, which was a handful of us like doing interviews and pretending to do a yacht charter and some other stuff. And then they took that to Bravo, E, MTV, and VH1. And Bravo was the one that bought it. Oh my gosh. Wait a minute. So when you did the sizzle, were any of the original people like Lee, CJ, no, it was just you from the original cast. Yeah. So were you helping with the casting? Nope. That was the only thing I had nothing to do with. I didn't have anything to do with any of the contractual negotiations because that's obviously not my forte, but I spent hours and hours and hours and hours on, you know, conference calls with the producers trying to explain to them logistics And they learned some very hard lessons my season because they just didn't really know what they were in for. And I don't, I mean, none of us did. We were guinea pigs, but they learned that they needed to have surveillance 24 hours a day because they missed the boat on that one on mine. (laughs) There was a lot of footage that they didn't get because they only had 16 hours of the day covered. They only had two eight hour shifts of camera people on board. So there was a whole lot of like late night stuff that they missed. So what's good late night stuff? Cause I remember like cats sneaking out to the bar and like things like that. What's it, something good that we missed? Oh, well, cat and the engineer locked themselves into the walk-in cooler. That was the only place that didn't have any video surveillance on the entire boat. And besides our bathrooms was the walk-in cooler down in the crew area. And they were doing something late night and got themselves locked in there. And it was very funny. They, they were probably in there for a couple of hours. Do you want to do? I'm not sure. That's the suspicion, but I don't have any proof of that. So, wait, the engineer, so CJ or someone else? Nash was the engineer oh, on board. Shut up, Adrian. Are you kidding? 
that was also the same night that somebody told her if she put rubbing alcohol in the Brita filter, it would turn into vodka. So I don't really know. I wasn't awake for all of that, but. How did you, wait, so did they get stuck? How did they get out? Somebody eventually heard them banging on the door, I think, and let them out. Oh my gosh. Was this pre-Cat and Ben? I don't know. I mean, that those kind of details are blurry to me because it was so long ago. God, it was almost 10 years ago which is wild to think about, but it's crazy. yeah, but yeah, I mean, that was one of the funny things that I remember like waking up to hearing about and just being like, how in the hell did you guys lock yourself in? There's an emergency button to like get out, but I guess they didn't figure that out. That is incredible. Did Captain Lee know about this? I don't know. I don't, I don't think Lee wanted to know much of anything about what we were doing. To be honest with you, he tried to stay as far away from us as possible. And for what it's worth, because he wasn't cast, they tried to minimize him quite a lot the first season until I think, and I think that's why it took them so long. It took them almost a year and a half to edit after we filmed. And I think part of that was because they realized that that's such a pivotal role on the boat that you can't minimize the captain. Alex, the guy who was the first mate on my season was supposed to be the captain. And so they were trying to make it more about the younger part of the crew and not so much about Lee. But I think once they realized, first of all, that they got pretty lucky with Lee being on board the boat, that they just had to make it a more vital part of the story. Because you can't have a yacht that runs around the Caribbean without a captain to drive it, you know, and the leadership is also a big part of that too. So you need somebody to enforce the rules, even though he really didn't. It was interesting. Like I said, I think they learned their lessons from season one and have, have adapted since then. Where did you and Captain Lee go from when he, you walk in, you meet him for the first time, he says, you're not qualified to be a chief stew. Where do you even go from there? What was your response? I mean, to be honest with you, I was unruffled by it because if the producers and the network thought that I was capable enough to do it. I knew again that it's not rocket science and I can handle it. And despite the fact that, you know, we didn't have luxurious tablescapes, like the rest of the job is is pretty simple. And I didn't and I'm not minimizing what the job is because there's a lot to it, but it's not out of the realm of my capability. I wasn't ruffled by him because he's not the one that was paying my paycheck or who I answered to really. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we didn't see eye to eye for most of the season. At the end of it, I felt bad that he was kind of getting railroaded and we became friendly for a little while, but that didn't last long. On the show, it didn't last long. No, in real life either. You guys don't keep in touch or chat at all? Not even a little, no. Did something happen afterwards to really... Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I think he has really enjoyed the levity of this ride for himself. And once he realized it wasn't advantageous to be friendly towards me anymore or to be nice to me anymore, he stopped. Preferencing other people above me. When I was one of the only people that really wanted him to be a part of all the things that we were doing as a cast season one. So whatever, it is what it is. So you start this, I mean, you have this idea for years, you come on this boat, you see this cast. What did you think of all these people that are now you're stuck on the boat with doing a show? with? So I genuinely believed that at the end of the season, on the very last day of filming, that they were going to 
right before all the cameras shut off, just be like surprised this was all a joke because there there seemed to be no reasonable explanation for the fact that all of these ridiculous I mean there was a couple people that were pretty serious on my season Dave was really great Eddie was really great you know Alex really seemed to know his job but the rest of them were just a bunch of fucking buffoons and it wouldn't have surprised me if it was all just a practical joke like I didn't know what this show was supposed to be I didn't know how it was going to turn out but I genuinely couldn't believe that they could find this group of idiots to jump on board a boat and do dumb shit like I have never seen in the yachting industry before. That's not to say that there aren't love triangles and fights and fucking and all the rest of that stuff. That all really happens. But some of the stuff I just couldn't believe people got away with. You know, the the one thing that really stuck with me when Sam and CJ jumped off the boat and were drinking in the middle of charter and Alex, who I thought was my comrade in this entire thing that was just as pissed off as I was that they disrespected his authority because Lee wasn't there when it happened and everything else. When I thought we saw eye to eye on everything and then he just turned to Sam and he was like, oh, you can stay and you can have your full tip. I was like, this has to be a joke. Like this just, this has to be a joke because there's no way that that would happen in a real yachting situation. And I understand we only had one more charter left, but trust me when I say I could have done without her, like it wouldn't have been a loss on my end. I would have worked a little bit harder for a couple more hours if it meant I didn't have to deal with that fucking smirk, but whatever. Sam. Yes. Wait, so tell me what you really think about Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I was actually going to ask you who was more difficult to work with, Kat or Sam? Sam, I actually hired Kat after she filmed her second season because nobody else in the yachting industry would. She called me, I'm certain out of desperation because I was not her favorite person. But even after I went back and that whole thing happened with Kat and Amy and their whole story coming out, you know, she still called me because nobody else would hire her because she was such a hot mess on my season and everybody knew it that she called me and said, you know, if you have been room on your boat, and I said, look, we're in the yard right now. If you want me to bring you on temporarily, and we'll see how it goes, and we'll see how our relationship goes. And it was great. We were great. And she spent the entire summer with me up in Newport on a 130-foot boat that I was running. And we had a great time until we had a blowout about select a size paper towels, and she walked off the boat and lost her job. So that was fun. And we don't talk anymore either. So wait, walk me through this. So you're on season one and then you come back season two. Remember when you come on as a guest? Yeah. So between season one ending and you coming back, were you and Kat cool? We weren't not cool. We weren't best friends, but we weren't not cool. And she knew that if I got cast for the show to go back for season two and she didn't that Beverly the guest who brought me would bring her so she she knew when Bever- when she found out that Beverly was coming back that there was a very strong possibility she was going to see me again because she, Beverly had made the same offer to Kat before they started filming season two got it wait so were you and Beverly really close then from the the time that they came on as charter guests until when you came back with her on season two? Oh yeah. And so was Kat. Okay. So then you come back, Kat thought that maybe you would be coming back with Beverly. Mm-hmm. At that point, you and Kat weren't good though. We weren't not good to my knowledge. 
but she said something differently. Because of the whole rumor coming out. I mean, even before that, she had already started to make discerning remarks about me. So, I mean, I think she was probably trying to kiss ass to Kate and get on Kate's good side because she knew Kate didn't like me. To my knowledge, we weren't in a bad place, but... How did Kate even know you to not like you? Because I ended up dating a guy that she had a thing for, and I didn't know it at the time. I didn't even know who she was at the time. It was... While my season was airing, we were all up in Newport, Rhode Island, and she was actually working on a boat with Rachel, and Rachel used to be my roommate a long time ago in Tampa before she ever worked on boats or was ever a chef or anything like that, and the two of them just fed off of each other, and that's apparently, according to Kate's stories, when she proclaimed that she was going to take my job, which, good on her, she did. It's so incestual, it's ridiculous. Wait a minute. Rachel from the chef that was just on Below Deck, you and Rachel were roommates or she and Kate were roommates? Rachel and I were roommates in Tampa before Rachel ever worked on yachts. It was while I was working on my very first yacht ever, I met Rachel, who was a bartender at a waterfront restaurant in Tampa. And I hired her to work for me on the yacht as a bartender when we were docked next to her restaurant because I needed extra help. And that was how I met Rachel. And then she ended up becoming my roommate a little while later. Did you know she was going to years later come back and be on the show that you originally started? No idea. Do you guys still talk, keep in touch, nothing? Absolutely not. You, Rachel, Rachel's on now. But I find it really ironic that Rachel lived with me, worked on a yacht for the first time when I hired her to work, and then somehow magically became a yacht chef years and years later, when that's the job that I was doing when she met me. It's just weird. Really weird. And ended up on a boat with Kate, of all people. That's crazy. So obviously you and Kate don't chat. No. No. So is there anyone from your season that you still keep in touch with? Yeah, I mean, I'm friendly with Dave. We don't talk very often, but he's a good dude and I like him very much. And Ben, I see pretty randomly in Fort Lauderdale. I was actually just hanging out with him a couple of months ago. He is traveling quite a bit now, so he's not home as much. And I don't live in Fort Lauderdale anymore. I just bought a house in Tampa with my husband, so I don't spend as much time there as I used to running around. But yeah, I'm still friendly with Ben. Uh, Did you and Ben ever, I always wondered if you guys ever hooked up. (laughs) <laughs> no. Never. <laughs> no. You know what's so crazy, Adrian, is that you're on the show as a chief stew. And do you know how other episodes we see people that will come in the kitchen and help around? I would never have thought that you were, like, we never even saw you in the kitchen. You know, sometimes like, hey, do you need help? I can cut this or I can do this. Were you just told to like never go in the kitchen? That's Ben's area. You do your chief stew and Ben does the kitchen. Ben's super competent. So he didn't need a lot of help to begin with. But part of the reason why we got along so well, more than he has gotten along with any other chief stews on any other season is because I'm a chef and I can talk to him and chef speak. And I understand what he's asking for when he asks for it. And that's why we got along so well. It's because I knew what he needed. And there wasn't any miscommunication because I understood what he was asking for. Like everything went smoothly between the kitchen and service because I knew what he needed. Right. You know, so 
Yeah, they didn't explicitly tell me to stay out of the kitchen, but I didn't need to be in the galley with him because he did his job well. I'm super curious because you have been very vocal online about everything going on. You know, you said that you listened to my Hannah podcast and talking about everything that went down with her being fired from, you know, by Captain Sandy and the drugs and this and that, which is crazy because on your season, Kat had been drinking on charters. She had anxiety meds and she never got fired. Is it crazy to you that that went down with Hannah, but nothing with Kat? I think it's a misrepresentation of what maritime law is, which is the part that upsets me the most because during that entire episode, well, several episodes, but during that entire situation, I had people who are veterans in the yachting industry, as well as people who are interested in getting into the yachting industry, contact me and say, what are really the rules? Because my understanding was this and the things that I read or was taught in my classes are this and why are they saying something different and part of what really upset me the most in that entire situation was Malia Bravo and Sandy misrepresenting or twisting maritime law to suit the needs that they had at the time as opposed to the precedent that had been set in previous seasons about search and seizure about anxiety medications being acceptable on the boat. I know that 16, 17 years that I've been yachting, I've never once stepped foot on a boat where a captain has said, I need a list of all your prescriptions and I have to keep them in a safe. Not one time. And so for them to purport the story that that's how you're supposed to do it and that's why Hannah was in trouble was because she didn't report her medications now maybe they've changed their procedure for the filming of the show since I have been there right but even in real yachting that's not what we do like your your captain is not a doctor they're not a pharmacist they don't have legal authorization to issue you prescriptions that are given to you by a doctor by somebody who actually knows that job. And so I had a lot of problems with that because it was in real life, in real yachting, creating issues that were up for constant debate when it really shouldn't have been because that's not how we operate. And so that was my biggest thing. Do I think that Hannah maybe didn't follow her contract? Possibly. I've never seen her contract, so I don't know that. Do I think that Malia was overzealous about what she thought she could hang on Hannah? Absolutely. Do I think she's an opportunist? I do. Do I have any respect for the way that all of that went down? I don't. I had a multitude of times that I really had a lot of respect for Sandy. And there was several times where I thought it would have been really great to work for her. And I was really disheartened by what I saw and the way that all of that went down because I thought it was pretty petty. And I don't think Sandy's the worst captain on the planet. I don't know. It's it's hard for me because I don't know the back end of it. Like I wasn't there when everything was happening to see every little thing. And I know how editing can be twisted because I watched it happen on my season where they can't manipulate what you say or what you do, but they can most definitely edit things in certain ways to make it look like one thing and not another. Right. And that's 
tricky and it's kind of shady, but that's their job. One of the things that I tell people who are considering going on the show and filming is that they can't tell you what to say or what to do, but if you look like an asshole, it's because you're an asshole. <laughs> and that's the truth. Right. Like, they don't, they don't ever say, say that. I mean, they never did to me anyway. I've heard different things from different cast members, and maybe some of that is covering up for their own behavior in the meantime. You know, there were times when they came to me during filming and they said, look, you're angry or you're pissed off or you're upset and nobody understands why because you're not talking about it. It's not generally my nature to just openly bitch to my coworkers when I'm upset. Right. But because we're filming, if you just walk around pissed off all the time, nobody understands why and the audience is going to understand why. So go talk to Ben and explain to him why you're mad at Kat or right. go sit down and talk to Eddie and explain why you're upset with Ben or whatever it is. Like from that perspective, even though it's a little bit out of character for me to do something like that, at the time it made sense to me why they would want us to go have conversations that are not necessarily natural to our normal inclinations to do things. Right. But, do you think that they purposely found Hannah's drugs to get her off? I mean, do you think Malia purposely went in? I think Malia is an opportunist. I yeah. think that there an opportunity was presented and I don't know if she did it all of her own volition or if somebody else told her to do it, but either way, I I don't I think she thought by doing that she was going to come off looking like a hero like she was following the rules of the boat and maritime law and all the rest of that happy horse shit and instead she just looked like a sniveling bitch. So you're allowed to come onto a boat with your own prescriptions and you don't have to check them in. Never once had to do that. Never one time. 16 years of yachting. Never had to do that. I do go out of my way to tell captains and other crew that I work with that I have an EpiPen because I have a shellfish allergy. So I want them to know where that is at all times in case for some reason I'm incapacitated and unable to administer it myself. I make sure that they know that, but that's of my own volition. That is me making that call to tell them about my medical history because that's my business and not theirs. So that's why then we see in your season when Kat was like, I'm taking anxiety meds, she wasn't fired because she has her prescriptions that she needs to take. Right. And Got Lee it. is not a doctor. So it's not that Lee wasn't following the rules. It was those rules that Sandy enforced weren't really the rules. Maybe they were in her mind. Maybe right. they were per their contract with Bravo. Maybe they were because of the contract of the vessel that they were on. You know, there's a lot of different, different things that could come into play there, but never on a yacht that I've worked on. Have I ever had to report medications? Never. Right. So that's crazy. And then, you know, also in the podcast with Hannah, she said, I don't know if there's some crazy competition with Sandy and me, why she doesn't like me. And then I saw you commented because Sandy then came back and said, there's no competition. I'm a captain and she waits tables. And I saw that you weren't a fan of that comment on social media. Uh, my suspicion is that Sandy was trying to take a dig at Hannah and didn't realize that it would be insulting to a much larger group of people. Not only stewardesses in the yachting industry that are still going to be working for her in the future, but also pretty much the entire hospitality industry as a whole. And I had a lot of respect for Sandy. I don't think she has ill intent. 
I just don't think she's very graceful with her words. And I think that that gets her into trouble. Maybe in the future, she'll be more thoughtful about the things that she says and the way that she says them, even if she intends it as an insult or a dig. You know, it was just, it was, it was a thoughtless thing to say. And I'm sure she regrets it now, but I would hope that she would be a little bit more thoughtful about the things that she says in the future. If they asked you to come back to the show, A, would you come back? Depends on the captain. I was just going to say, <laughs> what, if, what if, okay, what if it was Captain Sandy and they asked you to come back? I mean, it would make for some fireworks, that's for sure. I don't know. I don't know. Who do you think is a better captain since you were under Captain Lee, all this going on with Captain Sandy and you had Captain Lee, who do you think is a better captain between the two? Uh, Captain Glenn. (laughs) So would you come back with Captain Lee? No. No, that's a hard no. You maybe come back for Captain Sandy, but not Lee. Correct. Wow. But Glenn, Captain Glenn, he's, I mean, who doesn't freaking love him? The guy has a smile on his face. I mean to tell you, and, and Madison raves about him. Madison loves him. She just said he's, he's a great dude. So uh, would I love to work for a chill captain like that? Absolutely. I'm not great at dealing with micromanaging, and I'm not great at dealing with apathy. And I feel like Glenn is a good combination of a lot of really positive attributes that I would absolutely love to work with. Okay, and you said when we were just chatting before this whole you know, we actually started that you're actually on a boat right now with Madison from sailing yacht. Correct. Yeah. She's my stew on the chief stew on this boat. Right. And you guys get along, love each other. Yeah. She's great. So where are you? So what's going on? What is going on since we last saw you since blow deck, you said you're married. Yep. I got married in July of 2018. And we just bought our first house in December. So that's very exciting stuff. That's amazing, so, Adrian. Congratulations. Yeah. Coming up on three years, which is very exciting. He just had his 40th birthday two weeks ago. So before I left to come on this trip, at least we got to celebrate that. So that's fun. How did you guys meet? Bumble. <laughs> no way. Where were you? Were you in between charters or... I had just gotten done doing the America's Cup in Bermuda on a boat over there. And I had come back to Tampa to because I was living in Fort Lauderdale. I had come back to Tampa to visit my parents for like a long weekend. And it just happened to be the same weekend that my husband was at a golf tournament with a bunch of buddies of his who are all married. So they can't download the app, obviously. He's the only single one. So... <laughs> He downloaded the app and started playing with it and we matched. But by the time we matched, I had already left to go back to Fort Lauderdale and then onto the Bahamas for a a trip. So we weren't in the same city anymore. So we talked for about a month. And then when I finally got back into the States, I invited him to come down to Fort Lauderdale and meet some of my friends. And by that point, I had decided that he wasn't a serial killer and he wasn't going to chop me up in tiny bits and throw me in Biscayne Bay Dexter style. So (laughs) it worked out. That's a plus. Always a plus. So we met, yeah, exactly. We met 7-7-17 and we got married on 7-7-18. So we got married a year later. That is amazing. Adrian. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. That's, that's incredible. I love that. I love hearing that for you. Do you guys have babies? Um, my mother has made plans for my uterus. Um, we are still, 
we're still in the settling in phase. I mean, for what it's worth, I am not home very often. And one of the things that I have, and maybe you can help me with this, but one of the things that I've come to understand about conception is that you actually have to be present for it. Generally. And that's a little I mean, bit, yeah. I mean, I, I did go to Catholic school, so I heard things about <laughs> immaculate conception. But my knowledge, that's only happened once in human history. So I'm not sure I'm a candidate for that. I'm planning on starting my own uh, land-based catering business um, out of our new place in Tampa that I have a beautiful brand new kitchen to use. So that's incredible. Eventually. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. But you're in, we're, you're in the Caribbean right now. I'm in the Bahamas right now. Yeah. You're in the Bahamas. So how is everything going down there? Well, I'm in Abaco right now. I was down here a couple of years ago, right after Dorian hit, we came and dropped off a bunch of supplies and I did a bunch of relief for that. And it was a real mess for a while, but now they're just starting to really pick up. There's a series of fishing tournaments that's going on over here right now. So we're here for that with the big boat. And um, most of the bars and restaurants are back up and operational and actually in much better shape than they were before the hurricane. And most of the marinas are back back to normal. So, I mean, it's, I know people haven't heard a lot about Abaco recently because it's not trending right this moment. There's apparently a, a big disease that's going around the planet. And so everybody's been focused on that, but Abaco's back in order now, which is that's really exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good to see, especially as hard hit as this area was, how much regrowth there has been in the last two years. So I'm excited for people to start coming back down here again and, and going to the restaurants and little bars and all that fun stuff. It's, it's beautiful down here. That's incredible that you did all that to help too. Like that's, yeah. that's awesome. Oh, I mean, look, I spend a majority of my year down here in the Bahamas. So it, it's kind of a no brainer to help out when they need it. You know, that's amazing. Hey, before, you know, I'm taking so much of your time, but before you go, are you open to playing a little game? Sure. Okay, Adrian. it's called Going Overboard. Got it? <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you two people, and you have to tell me out of those two which that you would throw overboard. Oh, this will be easy. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Going overboard. Cat mm -hmm. or Sam? Sam. Kate or Rachel? Is both an option? No, one. Pick one. Kate. Okay. So Kate or Sam? That's a tough one. Probably still Sam. Wow. You really don't watch Sam. <laughs> okay. CJ or Alex? Oh, CJ. Do you, you never talk to CJ? Uh, no. Malia or Captain Sandy? Malia. You throw Malia overboard? Oh, yeah. Over Captain Sandy? Absolutely. Because I, again, I think that Sandy has redeemable qualities. I don't see any of that in Malia. I think she's just an opportunist. I think Captain Sandy does and says some thoughtless things, but I don't, I don't think she's intentionally malicious. Malia, okay. on the other hand, I believe is. Malia or Sam? Ooh, probably still Sam. <laughs> Sam, she's not winning today. Okay. Captain Sandy or Captain Lee? Lee. Throw oh, Captain Lee overboard. Mm -hmm. Captain Lee or Sam for my last one? Ooh, uh, Sam. 
she, she, she wins the bracket. Yeah. <laughs> See you on the whole tournament. <laughs> All right. Everybody else has a function. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for playing going overboard. All right. I also have one more question. You know how, do you ever watch any housewives? Have you ever seen a housewife show? Probably by accident. So you know how they open the show with a little tagline? Their hair is blowing in the wind and they come on and they have a tagline about their life or something, something clever. That's like their tagline. Okay. What would your tagline be? Ooh, get shit done. I think that's it. (laughs) That's good. And eat, eat good food cooked by me. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why there's a little bit of a disassociation between what I actually do and what I did do on the show. So I feel like my my real life motto would be a little bit different than what you saw on the although get shit done was kind of my motto on the show too. There's just a, a, a little bit of a disconnect because I'm not the chief stew. So So do you think it's easier being a chef than a chief stew or it's easier to be a chief stew? I think I enjoy being a chef a lot more. Easy is is all relative. I mean right. easy in that we have a, you know, here's the thing about yachting and I know they've said it on previous seasons before but if the weather's crappy or the toys break or the boat can't go anywhere the food can save a trip and so that puts an incredible amount of pressure on the chef sometimes when other things aren't going well and so it has the propensity to be a very high stress job especially in a charter situation I actually quite enjoy that I operate pretty well under pressure and so for me it that doesn't bother me that doesn't mean that it doesn't get stressful at times or that there isn't miscommunication at times, but I'll tell you what, it's been a very long time since I've worked as seamlessly with someone as I do Madison. She was talking to her dad the other day and she said, you know how when you watch this show and like traditionally the chief stews and the chefs don't get along, like there's always some kind of weird tension. Adrian and I don't have that at all. We get along really well. It's a lot of fun. And her dad's like, oh, really? That's interesting. Aww, like, <laughs> I love that. That's so great. See, you found your perfect match. Like, that's amazing. Oh, and we couldn't wait to work together again. We worked together for a month in January, and we kept trying to find a way to get back on a boat with each other because we just have so much fun. That's amazing. I would love to have one of your meals one day. Totally. Let I'm me know gonna- when you're down in Florida. I need to get away from these maniacs and before you pop out some babies and you're stuck (laughs) in a house like I am all day, I I would love to, of course, meet in person, but, you know, have some good food with you and drinks and, you know, we could have some wine and tell more stories. I love that. Yeah. Just let me know when you head down to Florida, we'll be around. You're incredible. It was so awesome to see you after all these years, Adrian, it was Awesome, awesome to see you. Um, where can everyone who you know is listening and loves you, where can they find you on social media? Super easy. I'm the same thing everywhere. It's at Adrian Gang, just the spelling of my name. So Amazing. I mean, that's where I am everywhere, pretty much. I'm not on I'm not on the TikTok though. I don't I don't understand it. i I can't get into it. I, I'm not there. <laughs> but I'm or on the Snapchat. I'm not there either. But I'm pretty much everywhere else. You're incredible. Thank you so much. I'm so happy. What's your husband's name? Andrew. Andrew. I'm so happy. Or Dr. Dr. Danks. Dr. Danks? Yeah. He's a doctor. He's a chiropractor. Yep. Amazing. I love that. Well, I'm so happy for you guys and your marriage. I had no idea. That's so awesome. And be safe down there. Tell Madison hi. 
Uh, maybe, you know, that. we can do a tag team and have both of you on one day. That'd be awesome. I love it. That would be a lot of fun. I love it. You're amazing. I thank you so much for everything and just stay safe down there. I will do that. Thank you. Take it easy. Of course. Bye. Adrian. Thank you so much for listening to side piece. Make sure to follow on Instagram with the handle at side piece show. That's at S I D E P I E C E S H O W at side piece show. And don't forget to like comment and subscribe.